Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy and healthy life. Not as disabled people, but as people with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. If you get a minute, check it out. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Today is part three and the final episode of Narcissist and the Person with a Disability. Today we're talking about, were you brought up by narcissistic parents? I know I was. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about something that happened yesterday. (laughs) Yes, yesterday. And Before I even tell you about that, I want to tell you about my wife, Mrs. Apple. She is by far the strongest advocate for people with disabilities. When she sees a person with a disability struggling, she's the first one on the scene to help them. When she sees a person with a disability being wronged, she's again the first one on the scene to help them. When she sees somebody wronging a person with a disability, she's the first one there to defend them. And when she sees somebody doing something wrong to people with disabilities, meaning parking in a a handicapped parking spot when they shouldn't, she's the first one there to tell them that they don't belong there. I use my wife... This sounds terrible, but when I make a phone call and I can't get the answers that I want, or people aren't calling me back, I call Mrs. Apple and I say, do me a favor, hon, call these people. She gets on the phone. She doesn't stop until she gets the answer that she wants or the answer that she thinks we deserve. I call her my pit bull. (laughs) She takes no shorts from anybody. You can't blow smoke at her and tell her, look, I'll call you back. She'll, say, she'll tell you, I'll hold on the phone. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't walk away. She doesn't take excuses from anybody. Anyhow, yesterday, we went to Phelps Memorial Hospital in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Yes, Sleepy Hollow, home of the Headless Horseman. <laughs> well, we're at Phelps Memorial Hospital. Now, this place is a huge hospital, but it only has 10 handicapped parking spots in front of the main hospital. It has 200 regular parking spots, but it has 10 handicapped spots, which is absolutely ridiculous. Anyhow, we got there a half hour before my appointment, so we waited around. We got a spot in a handicapped spot. We went in, took care of business I had to have labs drawn and stuff like that came out get in the vehicle my wife notices there's a car parked on the hashtags not next to them or 
but a car actually parked between two vehicles with handicapped placards in the hashtags. And the car that's parked in the hashtags has no handicapped plate, no handicapped placard. She goes over, she looks at the car, and she gets the license plate number, gets on the phone and calls security, and tells them that there's a car parked in the hashtags. Security says, we'll send someone over, they'll tag the car. Fine. So my wife comes over, she's getting back in the van, she's hooking my wheelchair in, securing it. With that, this woman comes, and she's going to get in the car that's parked in the hashtags. So my wife, being no shrinking violet, gets out of the car and says, you know, you're not supposed to park there. The woman says to her, she, <laughs> get this, she goes, you know, I may not look it, but I'm 80 years old. What the hell does that got to do with the price of tea in China? My wife says, I don't care how old you are. You could be 180 years old. You're not allowed to park there. And she says, I was only upstairs for 11 minutes. Again, whether you're up there for 11 minutes or an hour and 11 minutes, you're not allowed to park there. What is, you know, what's so hard to comprehend about that? Well, I'm only, I'm 80 years old, but you're still not allowed to park there. Well, I was only upstairs for 11 minutes. But do you realize, my wife starts explaining to her, that people need that hashtag spot because getting in and out, access, and she's telling her about my van and stuff like that. Woman, her pat answer is that she's 80 years old and she needed to go upstairs for 11 minutes. How ignorant do you have to be to understand that other people need that spot? Not because they have to go upstairs for 11 minutes. They needed to get in and out of their vehicle. And here's another thing that you have to realize, or other people have to realize. Handicapped parking isn't a privilege. It's a right. You applied for that permit. You got that permit. That's your right to park there. Not a privilege to park there. And people without the permit have no right to park there. They have no right. And it's like such a lack of respect. I don't understand. And, you know, we, as people with disabilities, have to stand up for ourselves. As my wife did yesterday. We see someone that's parked in a spot that's reserved for a person with a disability. We have to take the initiative and fight it. We have to call the security. We have to call the police. We have to call the ticket authority. Whoever whoever's in charge of making sure the person that parked in a handicapped parking spot that's reserved for a person with a disability is penalized for it so that they won't do it again. We have to take that shot. We have to call that authority. And some people say, oh, that's petty. It's not petty because... One of these days, it's going to be you that can't get into your vehicle or you that can't get a, a spot and can't get into a shop or a store or a doctor's appointment. We have to stand up for our rights, people. And I'm going to say this. People who do have the permit, the parking permit, 
the person with the disability who was in the store, who pushed the cart around the store, went food shopping or or grocery shopping or clothes shopping, what have you. You pushed the cart around the store. What is wrong with your mind when you come out of the store, load your car, there's a cart corralled two cars down from you, and you take the cart and you push it into the hashtags. It's like you're saying, hooray for me, I got shot. I got my shopping done, now screw the other guy who can't get out of his car or can't get out of his van. Or you push the you push the cart into the empty handicap spot next to you. You have to respect other people with disabilities. If you don't respect each other, how do you expect other people to respect us? If you could walk around the store all that time, you can walk two car lights down and put the cart in the shopping cart corral. You have to respect yourself and other people with disabilities so that other people will respect us as well. That's my rant. So let's get started. Let's get started on not narcissistic parents. Did we have them growing up? I know I did. I've got some a list of traits here that you can listen to and check out check off the list. And see if this describes your parents when you were growing up. And maybe it's something that you can avoid with your children. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into it. Bet you were expecting Dave, weren't you? <laughs> surprise, surprise, you got me today. Today we're discussing signs that will help you determine if you were raised by a narcissist and how it can affect you. You know, parent-child relationships are always filled with drama, particularly, particularly in the teenage years. But For some people, like those raised by narcissist parents, uh, the implications can be more serious and long-lasting. According to the Diagnostic Statistical Manuals, people with Narcissistic Personality Disorder, or NPD, will have at least 55% of the most common narcissistic traits, including entitlement, and superiority, an exaggerated need for attention and control, a lack of empathy, and more. If these traits sound all too familiar from what you experienced from parents in your childhood, it's possible you were raised by narcissists. Here's how to tell, and how to heal, and how to break that cycle according to experts. Here are some common red flag behaviors that a narcissist parent might display. The first one on my list here is they don't acknowledge if they handled something inappropriately or made a mistake. Now, my parents, they were never wrong according to them. They just, whatever they said was right. That was their law. 
they never said they were wrong. They didn't, even if you, even if you proved them wrong, they wouldn't acknowledge that they were wrong. So they don't acknowledge that they, that they handled something wrong. They'll, they'll worm around some way to say that they were right. So that was the first one on the list. They don't acknowledge that they handled something inappropriately or made a mistake. Second on the list, they avoid talking about issues you've raised concerns about. Now, I know that in my house, if I raise concerns about my brother, say, they would take every turn to avoid talking about it. If I said my brother did this or my brother, they would avoid it. Avoid it like it was the plague. Now, this one here, this one is probably one of the most harsh. They tend to gaslight you. Now, if you don't know what that means, almost it's almost like they try to make you seem like you're crazy, like your memory is wrong. It's like... You didn't see what actually happened. Here, let me try. I'm trying to think of an example. You've seen them take the money off the counter and put it in their pocket. Then they come back and say to you, where is my change? And you tell them, mom or dad, you took the money that I put on the counter, you put it in your pocket. And they tell you directly, no, I didn't. I did not take that money. You seen with your own eyes that they took it. And they'll tell you every which way from Monday. They didn't take it. They try to make you sound like you're crazy. Make you think that you're crazy. You didn't see what you actually saw. That's gaslighting you. They're not open or honest communicators. In other words, they'd rather lie to you. Think about it. If your parents lied to you about something, I know that's a harsh word to say because we're always told, we were always told as kids to honor your mother and your father. And you never thought that your mother and father would lie. But when you think back now, think back, were there ever times that your parents actually lied to you? I can think back, I can think of multitude of times. Next one on the list, their love feels conditional, meaning they expect perfection at most times and become disappointed when you, when you fail a test or make a mistake or somehow fall short of their unrealistic expectations. Oh, I can... <laughs> anyone, that went to, anyone that went to school when they were a kid can, can remember times like that, can't you? I know I can. My parents were hard. I mean, really hard. They would make you think that you, uh, I don't know, were creating the end of the world if you didn't pass every test that you took. It, it, it was horrible. I, I can remember shaking if I failed the test or if I didn't get an A on a test. I can remember shaking, being scared to death to go home and bring that test home with less than an A on it. If I came home with a B, I knew I was going to have a, a hassle from my parents. If I came home with a C, 
I knew that I was getting punished. If I came home with a D or an F, I know I was getting beat. I can remember that one. That one strikes fear. Even just reading that one strikes fear in my heart and a pain in my ass. They were quick to blame you when something went wrong. Now, in my family, and in most families with narcissistic parents, there was always a scapegoat and a golden child, or golden children and one scapegoat, or maybe two. I was a scapegoat in my family. If there was something that went wrong, I was the first one they blamed. And that went on, actually it went on way into my adulthood. There was six of us. There was six kids. I, they always said I was like the black sheep of the family, and I was the first kid in my family that ever smoked a cigarette. So because I did that, if my brother smoked, it was because of me. I remember my oldest sister, she had 10 years on me. She was married, had four kids. She got divorced. She went out with her friends. She came home drunk. My mother was watching the kids. She came home drunk. She was 30-something years old. I was 20-something years old. She came home drunk, and I came, I came home, and I got blamed because my sister went out and got drunk. I, I didn't even know she was at the house, but I was a scapegoat. Whenever anything went wrong, it was me. My brother, my brother broke his arm. I was, I was the one that was wrong. I don't know how, when I was a kid, I don't know how that happened, but I was the one who was wrong. My brother got caught stealing candy from a candy store. I was in school, but I don't know how I got blamed. Next on the list, they exude emotionally manipulative behavior by making you feel guilty or irrational when you try to set healthy boundaries. They, <laughs> when you say you want to do something and it doesn't fit into their picture of what should be, they make you feel guilty about it. In other words, you want to go out at a certain time, and they don't want you to go out at that certain time. Not for any reason, only other than the fact that they don't want you to. That's narcissism. The, this is a sickness, narcissism. They need excessive attention, but rarely give you the attention you want or need. How many times is you know your mother wants you there at her side and she wants you to be there when her friends are around? You have to be the attentive child. But when you want attention from her, she can't be bothered. Or your father wants you there to be, you know, the attentive child, but when you want his attention, he's too busy for you. That's what that one is. The next on the list is they're often more concerned about what others around them think rather than considering your feelings or subjective experiences. That's what I call the Brady Bunch Syndrome. They want everyone to think everything's perfect. They don't care what you want to do or have to do. They want everyone to think that you're perfect that their little unit is perfect, <laughs> those people be surprised what goes on behind closed doors, wouldn't they? 
They dominate conversation and don't allow others to talk. They want to be the center of attention. They, they have to be the center of attention. They undermine their children's choices, especially their adult children. Need I say more? That's self-explanatory. This one here, this one here, I think, well, they act like a martyr or play the victim. Raise your hands. How many people have had a parent that acts like this and still acts like it maybe? I'm sure everybody's raising their hand. If not, you're a very lucky person. They mock or dismiss your emotional responses. Again, I'm using myself as an example through this. I can remember I was a teenager and I broke up with my girlfriend. Well, my girlfriend actually dropped me. She broke up with me. And I was devastated. Devastated. And my mother was on the phone with my sister. And I was just, I, 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 my world caved in. And I was laying on my, I was laying on the bed, day bed. And my mother's on the phone and she, she says, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? And I, I told her, I said I broke up with, with my girlfriend. And she started making fun of me to my sister. Oh, he broke up with his girlfriend. He's so depressed. Da, 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 da. No concern whatsoever. No empathy, no sympathy, nothing. That's, they mock your emotional response. They, they mock you for it. They are jealous of the life that you've made for yourself. That's when you, you, you've gone off and you've made your own life because you've made it without them. There, <laughs> now this, this is, this is, they say it's for daughters and daughter-in-law, but it also for sons and sons-in-law. There is more, more, they say it's more common for female narcissists, especially mothers towards their daughters and daughter-in-law. They tend to be overbearing and try to impose their way of doing things. That also goes for sons and sons-in-law and fathers and fathers-in-laws. All of this is unhealthy. And if you see if you've seen yourself in any of this, the best thing you can do is try to avoid it, especially with your own kids. Try to avoid it in your own life. But one thing I'm going to tell you, and this may come as a shock to some people, listening to a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever is not going to cure you. They're only going to open the door to issues that you may be suffering. It's going to put a spotlight on something. What you need, if you see yourself in these, in these issues that we've brought up here, what you need to do is actually speak to a professional to help you through. It doesn't make you uh, crazy or anything like that. It doesn't make you mentally ill. But you need to speak to a professional to make sure that you're not going to visit this on your own children and put an end to the narcissistic behavior in your family. 
there's nothing wrong with, with talking with a professional. Trying to handle it on your own sometimes. Sometimes it might work. I'm not saying it won't. Nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten it won't. <laughs> I'm just being honest. But you might want to talk to a professional and get some help with it. I appreciate you being here, and I hope this helped a little bit. I hope it shined a spotlight on something that maybe you can work on. And like I said, don't depend on a YouTube video or a podcast to heal you. It's not going to happen. We can only shine a light on these areas for you to, to work on. We, we're there for you. We're there to help you. But we're, there's no way we can heal you. I hope you come back and listen some more. I hope you get the help that you need. I hope uh, that you can have a healthy life, that you live a healthy life, you have a happy family, a healthy family. And I hope to talk to you again real soon. And remember this, no matter what, Things can always be worse, my friends. Things can always be worse. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. We've got some exciting guests coming up on the next couple of episodes. Mike McGrush, he's got, he's, he's got an episode called Dancing with Humanity. He's got an awfully fun outlook on on life and it's it's an episode you're not gonna want to miss trust me we've got more guests coming up right behind him so stick around make sure you check out an apple a day you're not gonna want to miss it thanks a lot for being here today and i hope to talk to you real soon have a great one today my friends (music) 